Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, if you'd like to contact me with any questions, suggestions, or if you'd like to be a guest on one of our shows, or would like an email read on the show, you can contact me at thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. That's spelled T-H-I-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-N-H, thirddegreepodcastnh. Again, that's at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you again. Hello everybody, this is Brad, living in third degree with BPD, Brad Shattuck, your host. I have an extremely exciting podcast, episode number 63, and it's going to be my wife, Michelle. All of you have heard about her in all my episodes, hundreds of hours talking about her. For the first time, she actually listened to one of our podcasts tonight with my son with his interview. And she reached out to me and said she wanted to pretty much just exploit out on the disorder and kind of like answer out what he was saying about the dynamics of having somebody with BPD and a family. But I'm so excited. I never, ever would have thought that she would actually want to be on my podcast. And all of you know how much I love her. So I'm going to ask one thing, please. I'm begging you. After you hear this episode... I always put in contact information, send me an email, but I'm begging you, please, even if it's something simple, send an email to thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. That's T-H-I-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-N-H at gmail.com, thirddegreepodcast at gmail.com. Please, I'm going to show her the response that we get from our listeners. We got thousands of them. All of you know her. Because you've heard all about her in all my episodes. The last one I did was Nine Hours in Heaven. And that was the day I came up and spent nine hours with her. I was with her all day yesterday. And it was heaven as well. Everybody knows I love this woman more than the air I breathe. So this is an exciting episode. Very exciting. Probably the best one I've ever, ever done. I want to thank everybody for listening and all your emails. And please, please listen to this entirety thing and send me an email. I appreciate it. Again, thank you for listening.
Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to 11 and 33 with BPD. This is Brad Shattuck, your host. And this is the most exciting episode I have ever done. Everybody who knows who listens to my podcast is all based on the disorder of BPD, borderline personality disorder. Specifically, in my life, my wife has had it. And you all know from the episodes, the turmoil that it causes in the dynamics of a family and a marriage. It is rated 16% of women in the United States have BPD. And out of the 16%, yes, it's women. It's one of the hardest disorders proven in the DSM-5 psychiatric um, manual to um, deal with in a a marriage or a relationship. Um, The eight um, segments, uh, there's four subtypes of BPD. One of them is narcissism. Um, Makes it even worse. But anyways, back to my point. I have my wife. Well, you all know, ex-wife, but I still call her my wife, Michelle, the sweetheart of my life. She actually listened to the episode uh, that I had with my son, uh, my first episode, and um, right away she said she wanted to actually be on one of the episodes. So this is episode number 63, and it is heaven. So I'm going to introduce my wife, Michelle Shattuck. I'm going to ask her a few questions, and I'm going to let her free fall on this. One of the things she um, wanted me to ask her was, um, some of the questions my son was asking uh, in his episode. So, Michelle, what was one of the things that Matthew said that you wanted to kind of throw out there and answer or comment on? One of the things is um, about his suicide attempt where he hung himself mm-hmm. and he said that you had to revive him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately... I believe he blocked it out because of yeah. the pain that it caused me. Well, actually, why don't we do this? Why don't you explain it? Because you were the one who found him and everything. You have all the details. He obviously was out of it and doesn't remember. I was caught in the middle of it. So since you know 100% of it, why don't you go ahead and explain it? So okay. I'll let you take over on this. Okay, myself with having a disorder, BPD, borderline personality disorder, I know to focus on the way people act. I'm a very observant person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get made fun of for being an observant person in the way things, people place things and whatnot. That's part of my disorder of watching what people do. But I've come to learn that. Because I believe, are they doing that against me? Are they plotting against me? Why are they putting these things? Are they signs to somebody else to do something to me? Are they signaling, hey, come at this time, yada, yada, yada. So that to me is like, why aren't they Why aren't they letting me know why they're doing this? Are they purposely doing it to hurt me, to make me think I'm crazy? Are they doing it to say, ha ha, I'm making fun of your disorder that you have? Or are they not doing it on purpose, not realizing what they're doing, and it's just plain and simple, then putting something down somewhere and not realizing that it's affecting me? Because, first of all, not asking. But um, back to the part of my son's suicide. Um, I observed him all day looking around. I had asked his sister to watch him. I said, your brother is acting very strange. Can you just watch him for a minute? I have to go to the bathroom. His sister responded, yes, Mom, I will. I came upstairs I'll say maybe six minutes later, she came running up over the stairs and said, Mom, do you know where Matt is? I said, no, I asked you to watch him for me. I said he was acting strange. I'm getting chills because it really still bothers me to this day. 
Um, so I ran downstairs and ran out the back door looking for my son. This can happen, people. Please believe in it if you hear a voice. Because it's what saved my son's life and mine. God said, Michelle, you're going the wrong way. Turn around, go back down the stairs and look to the left when you come in. I did that and my son was hanging. My little boy was hanging. I ran over to try and take him down and I had very much trouble. So I was screaming bloody murder. Somebody help, somebody help. As I'm trying to hold him up and take him down. My son was dead. When I got him down, he was gone for three minutes. If it was any longer, he would have never came back. But the miracle is, is he never got brain damage or anything like that. Yes, my husband, my ex-husband, did in fact get him down and do CPR. And the reason why I didn't do CPR is because I went into shock. When you see something like that, you don't know how you're going to react. You see son dead, yeah. And I wasn't sure I was going to pull out of it. Um, and when his father started doing CPR to him... He was like, why is the air coming back at me? And then he went, wait a minute, I'm not doing it properly. If it wasn't for my ex-husband, my son would not be here today. Because I went into shock. But it's not my fault that I went into shock. It's just a reaction that my body took. Because I was like, oh my God, what do I do? So also, things would run through my head. Why didn't you make him go upstairs with you? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You mean trying to blame yourself? I blamed myself for a long time. Did your son hang himself because of you? Why would you think that, though? I don't know. I don't know. What? I was seeing signs of him looking around, like literally looking around, so knowing you... that he was looking okay. for signs so you, for something. So you thought you might have been able to prevent it, is what you mean? Yes. Okay. And 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 so by taking that few minutes and... Not be demanding him to go upstairs with me and that it wasn't his sister's responsibility to be watching him. But we all love him. So regardless. Keep an eye out but, but sometimes we just say, oh, well, it, you know, he's just, he's not doing anything. He just, I, I don't need to really like babysit him like a baby. Yeah. He was about, what, 14, right? Yeah. 14. No, Nobody really understood the only person that kind of understood was me yep because of my disorder that i have my bpd mm -hmm. and i kind of realized i can't blame myself for it yeah but i can take responsibilities because i did see signs of it but didn't take full control of it yeah you still really can't blame yourself it I don't blame myself now. Okay, good. But yeah. you, nobody can know if something like that, if they've been through that tragedy. But the good thing is you did say you got signs and you did go look for them. Mm -hmm. So give yourself credit. You did act on those signs. Right. If you didn't act on those signs, he wouldn't have been here. Right. So right. technically, if it wasn't for you, our son wouldn't be alive right now. Yes, I, 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 did, I did follow some signs. Which saved his life. And this is and this is what I would pray to the world. If you see somebody, whether it's a loved one, a friend, or just somebody of a friend, kind of like 
acting strange like they wouldn't normally do. Out of character? You say out of character? Start paying more attention to that. Ask them questions. Because it just might be that they just need somebody to talk to. But they're scared to say it first themselves. They're hoping somebody else will ask them and say, Hey, what's going on with you? Do you you need a hug? Do you... You know what? Do you need somebody just to talk to? I mean, what what is going on with you? I see things that um, you're doing that you normally wouldn't do. So, in other words, your body is putting out that persona, body language, calling out for help in that way, but not speaking it. And one thing I want to say about Michelle, and I give her credit for this, and even yesterday, um, a lot of places that drug treatment places, the counselors are ex drug addicts, like with the interventions. And they do that because they understand. They've been there. They know it. But the one thing is, they always say, there's an old saying from Stephen Covey. He's a good business uh, mentor. He used to say, you can know something so much, that's all you know. So in other words, if you're in an industry, that's all you know is that industry. You don't know anything else. You don't think outside the box. This woman here has never abused or been addicted to any drugs. But she has been around everybody who has been addicted to drugs. Her husband, her kids, relatives, siblings. Everybody around her, she had to deal with them trying to kill themselves, overdosing, being high, flipping out, nodding off, you name it. She has been through that. She has experienced it. So what I'm trying to say is, she had mentioned the other day she wouldn't mind being a counselor, would like to be a counselor for drug treatment. A lot of those people, the only way they do is they want the extra addicts because they get the experience. She sees outside the box. And I'll tell you right now, she has better experience by thinking outside the box and seeing outside the box and experience outside the box. <laughs> And somebody who's been there. And she has experienced every type of person on every type of drug, seen every type of incident, and has been there straight and had to deal with it. Because she chose not to escape. Out of everybody that is around her, she is probably the only one out of handfuls that has not taken over to escape with drugs. And she would be a perfect counselor. She talks to me over and over, and she has seen the second, the, the end of the spectrum. Of the drug addiction. Whereas the other people are kind of like in the rainbow. Or in the stream I should say. She's like on the sideline. But she's been able to observe it with a straight mind. Everybody else when you think about it. The ex-drug addicts. They're all experiencing from being high. Being on something. Being under the influence. All her experiences are straight. Straight minded. So. This woman right here. I'll tell you right now. I have never heard of anybody wanting to be a counselor that wasn't a drug addict. Because why would you want to be? These people do it because it helps their sobriety. She does it because she's a good person. She's observant. She's loving. She's a woman of God. She's just an angel. She understands people. And she just knows how to connect with anybody, no matter what your personality is. She can, like like a chameleon, she can disguise herself to be able to relate to anybody. No matter who it is, man, woman, young, old, doesn't matter. Remember you were just talking about that yesterday, Michelle? Yes, and, and, and I would like to respond to what you were saying. You're correct. I never abused alcohol or drugs. Um, there is one thing I want to say is, anybody out there that is ex-addicts or still struggling with alcohol or drugs, one thing you need to remember, yes, you get high, yes, you get buzzed, but when that high comes down and that buzz comes down, your problem is still there. That alcohol, that cocaine, anything that you are doing, that heroin, or both, 
is not going to make your problem go away unless you take so much that it takes your life. Now, why do that to a temporary problem make it a permanent problem by taking your own life? Mm -hmm. There's no reason for that. There is people out there like myself. I don't care who you are. Contact me. I will speak to you. I am living proof of living through my disorder, BPD, and helping others with their disorder. You can survive it if you want to. The help is there. Just ask for it. You know it. it you, you just got to reach out, and it's not very hard. Believe me, I committed suicide three times, and I'm still here. God said, no way. You are a gift. You are not coming to me yet. But what I really, I'm not trying to preach about religion, okay? It's just something I know for a fact. If you commit suicide, you won't go to heaven, and you won't go to hell neither. Your soul roams forever. So if you clearly want to be with your loved ones that have passed on before you, do not attempt to take something special that God gave you to experience on this earth with other beings because it you I will explain this again you will end your life permanently on a temporary problem that could have been fixed okay again I did attempt suicide three times one of the times I did die I was revived that has made me understand life and how to cope with it and how to get help for how I'm feeling inside. A lot of people, you don't know what somebody's thinking or feeling. Like just a simple little thing of holding the door for somebody. That might mean the world to that person because that person was having such a bad day and said, Hey, this person doesn't know me from Shinola, but they just opened the door for me and held it for me to walk through. You don't know what that person's day is like. If you are going through trauma, it's not okay to cause somebody else trauma. If you do not like the pain that's being inflicted on you, do not inflict it on somebody else. Speak to somebody about it instead of causing somebody else pain. Because by you causing somebody else pain, you can make that person take their life. And then if you find out about that, you would live through life going, oh my God, I caused this person you to... You could have been the story that broke the camel's back. I caused this person to die because of my ignorancy. Because I was hurting, so I wanted to hurt somebody else. Wow. And with that being said, what happens is... It only comes back on you 10 times more. You do hurt that person. Yes, that person lives with that. Whether that person goes and hurts somebody else or goes and takes their own life, you have to live with that. It goes through your mind. It's like a wheel. I caused this person to do that. I didn't like it being done to me, so how the hell could I go and inflict it on somebody else? I had to learn that myself. I am not perfect. I had to go through the steps of that. But I am now, I have learned a lot. And I want to go back to my son and him hanging himself. Mm -hmm. I don't blame myself. In the beginning, I do. 
because I say, what could I have done? I saw some signs. Should I have said, what's wrong with you, son? Can you please talk to me? I know you're acting weird. Can you please tell me what's going on? Don't hold it inside. You know, I might be able to help you. But again, I will go back to my disorder. I'm trying to help somebody, but I didn't even know how to help myself. So how could I help somebody else? Yep. So therefore, I was learning. I had some of the um, intuition. Mm. I used some of my intuition, but I didn't really listen all the way to the pain and suffering that I was causing my child by being with my husband. I love my husband. But arguing and fighting in front of the children was not appropriate. We could have waited. We could have went somewhere else to have our differences. And yes, when my son Matthew speaks about him saying, and it kills me inside, to say that he would give up his own life and kill his life if it made a difference for his parents to stop fighting. But what... And I still call him my little boy. Even though he's 26 years old, he is still my little boy. I didn't pay attention to his cry, saying, please stop. You're destroying me. Please stop. So I will go back to his hanging. Did I cause him to do that? Did my disorder help my son start to get a disorder? Because I wasn't seeing the signs. Did I put that upon him to make him feel worthless because he would beg me, please stop. For my son to think in his head, if I kill myself, will it make you and dad become one again? I'm here to tell you, no. I almost lost my son over that and didn't explain to him. I didn't listen to his cry. I didn't somewhat because I went down and saw him lifeless hanging there and said, oh, my God, why didn't you listen? So this I say to the world, anybody that listens to this podcast, if somebody that you love or a friend of a friend or whatnot if you see them acting a little bit out of their normal. Yeah, whack, yeah. Even if you only met this person once and this person comes back and shows up and isn't acting the way they were acting the first time you met them, like happy, go, lucky, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Notice the signs. If they don't want to get help, pick up the phone and say, I believe this person doesn't want to live anymore and they're going to take their own life. You just may save somebody's life by taking five minutes of your time and saying, hey, man, I won't judge you, but I'm here to listen. Sometimes that's all it takes. Exactly. It's just an ear to listen to somebody. You may not even have to see signs. It could be the way somebody's speaking to you. Well, it's funny, like, when you said, how Matthew said that he would give his life to see his parents get back together, Matthew, our youngest, and Michael, our oldest, have both said this to me, 
And as a matter of fact, my nephew had actually witnessed this about a year ago with us. When we get along, we get along great. And it's just normal BPD thing. You know, it's it's up or down, left or right, back or forwards, to go or stop, good or bad. It's, it's, there's never any gray area. We act like little kids in love. We Like when we go to the store, I put my arm around her and I'll dance with her or shake her around or get flirty with her, you know, act like, like teenagers, and we actually went to our nephew one time in the hospital, and they, they, the nurses actually thought, told my nephew that we were on drugs, because we were acting, and I was joking with her, and I said, we can go down the maternity ward, and start filling up some of the baby rooms, I was joking around, and we had uh, tie-dye stuff on, I was like, kind of hip-checking her in her butt, you know, just acting like teenagers, and they thought we were on something, because you don't usually see people around 50 years old that have been together 30 years, act like that. So what I'm trying to say is, like, when we get along, it's great. It, it's heaven. You know, I, I flirt with her in the store. She'll try hats on, and she'll put, like, like glasses on and act goofy and stuff. And we do that. So when the kids see stuff like that, they're like, wow, that's cool. My parents you know, have been together 30 years. Look how they act. They act like little kids. But when we fight, it's horrible. It's horrendous. I want to kill myself half the time. The fights are horrible because you say things you don't mean, you do things you don't mean, you try so hard to hurt that person, hit them in the right spot. It's always about who gets hurt the worst. That's how the winner of the game is. Who gets hurt the worst? And nobody wants to give up. But anyways, that's what the kids always said. When we get along, we're great. They just wish it could be like that all the time. I wish it could be like that all the time. I would give Hindias off my life to be like that all the time. I know I could, but anyways, so that's what I wanted to point out to Michelle was that's what the kids hated the most is we got along great. It was beautiful. That's what they were like, but when we fought, it was the worst we've ever seen, and that's what killed them. Okay, and, and, and I want to um, come back in and um, respond. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.